At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. That's what we're saying today, everyone. Show me the money. Welcome to this Thursday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel L. Conan, uh, Dennis Dick with you this morning. Joel, I'm using your headset now. It's way more comfortable. I don't know why I never used it before. Um, <laughs> we got a lot to discuss. Uh, a lot of movers, a lot of news, but we don't really care about any of that. We care about one thing this morning and one thing, or maybe two things, uh, GameStop and AMC and maybe KOSS while we're at it. Um, we're going to talk about this. Figure out what went down yesterday, theorize why uh, or what went up yesterday, why it went up, uh, and we'll talk about it with our guests as well. We have a great guest on today. It's a perfect day to have Bill Hartz on the show. He is the former CEO of Modern Markets Initiative, and he is also, along with Dennis, a market structure expert. And we're going to talk about this crazy move, why it happened, and uh, where do we go from here. So a lot to get to on the show. Hit that like button. Hit subscribe. Hit share wherever you're watching this. Let's throw it to Joel. Joel. Throw on those charts. Let's see the S&P futures and how we're doing in the pre-market session. Uh, good morning, traders and investors around the world. Uh, welcome. Uh, we got some action today, folks, and we got some action in the futures. We got some actions in the stocks. Let me bring up the futures for you here. Uh, we were green and now we're red. Uh, we are trading red by 15 and a half handles. Got up to 39, 34.50. That was right near our mid-month high. And then the old rug pool trading just off the lows of the session, 39.05.50, folks. There's not a lot in here on the downside because of the way we whooshed up through this area yesterday. Uh, gold down 13 bucks at 17.85. Silver going the opposite way up 11 cents at 28.04. Bitcoin finding a home in the 50,000 handle again. Bitcoin is up $2,700 at $52,500. Triple D, they're back. They're back. They're back. Well, GameStop's back. back. Yep. Do you think, okay, before we can get into it, do you think it's Reddit-driven, or do you think this is algo-driven? I don't think this was driven by the retail crowd. It's a great I know, I, know, I know a lot of people want to think Reddit is doing this this morning. I think, you know, Reddit's obviously got a piece, a part of it. But again, just looking at how quickly it's trading. I mean, there's a lot of volume coming in from everywhere. So, yes, you know, this could be a, the fact that there's just so many orders coming back and forth. But... I don't know, man. I think there's other big players in here. There's other big players. Don't you? 
Don't you think that, Joe? I we do, We talked too. about it before. I, I do, too, because it just um, – if you look at it technically, too, it just – it got sleepy. You know, it just – it came down – not really the, you know, look at the dailies, look at it. I mean, it just, you have this kind of vault and you just, you got sleepy down here. And I think if you took a large position, start moving it. I mean, a large position. I'm not talking about all the odd lots through Wall Street, up Wall Street bets and Reddits and everything like that. I'm talking some big, big players. And yeah. you get it going, you get the momentum. All you need to do is just get the momentum going, right? Yep. Yep, and yep. once it gets going, then, you know, people may the right of, oh, yeah, look what we did. We're hopping on, too. And then it it, uh, it crescendos. But you saw the action last night. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? And then, man, I just got to tell you the truth of what I think about this stock. I mean, you know, this can go anywhere. And why does this happen again? I think it took everybody by surprise. I, like, I think we thought, you know, it could have a little pop. We've even talked about it. You know, I wouldn't want to be short in the 40s. We've talked about it for a week. I'm saying I thought it could pop to 50 or 60 again. I didn't think it could pop to $200 again in one day. I did not think that was possible. And my flawed thinking, probably not thinking enough about it, is the fact that everybody is scared to short the stock. I know you can look and say, oh, there's 40% short interest here. But remember, there's a lot of hedging tactics. It's a two-week late report. There's not a lot of professional traders who are short the stock anymore. Um, and you get people coming in, buyers coming in, in a normal market, in a normal stock, I would say, like me, for example, if a stock price popped up to a ridiculous level, I would say, that's stupid. I'm shorting the stock. You know, a couple thousand people like me, algorithmic systems like me, um, hold the bubble down because that's what keeps prices efficient. But I look at this and say, no way, I'm not touching that. I'm not shorting that stock. And I'm sure the other thousand or couple thousand traders like myself out there are saying the same thing the ones who are actually short stocks are saying no i'm not short in that stock either it's too risky so you don't have anybody willing to make that bet and say that this is stupid i'm going to bet on the downside you know maybe the buys and puts you know that's the, the easy way out but you don't have that liquidity on the sell side on the offer side because you don't have market participants who are willing to bet on the short side. So what that does is it reduces liquidity in the stock overall and allows, if you just get it going, like you were saying, it just gets going, it can go to silly town again. And that's what we've done here. So uh, it's a gift again. I mean, this market is the market that keeps on giving. So in my opinion, you know, could it go to three, 400 again? I mean, it can do anything, obviously. Um, so I'm not going to even try to predict the move. I don't know. I thought the dust had settled. But another, you know, like, you know, you get the impact, boom, and the dust settles, you know, and then eventually the crater's there and that's it. Well, another impact, and we just struck again another meteor. So I, I have no idea, you know, where the stock is going. I'm not even going to try to predict the GameStop action here. I would take profits if I was in it. That's what I would do. Um, if you were buying this at 45 yesterday, I know Red Dog, who we've had on the show a lot of times, he had bought it up just because he, for the reasons you were saying, Joel, and the kind of the reasons we were talking the last few days, it was sleepy. Um, all of a sudden, you get the huge pop. I mean, what a gift. What a gift overnight. Someone in, someone in three of us was uh, trading it long last week, right, Spencer? Yeah, not not for any real reason. Luke and I bought this stock uh, because we bought, we bought it the day before, the evening before the uh, the congressional hearing last week thinking, oh, maybe it'll go up and it did yeah. go up during the hearing but yeah. of course I didn't sell it during the hearing I sold it the following morning so, so I, bought, I think I bought it at like uh, 
high 45s and, and sold up like 41 or something. Uh, and Luke did like the same thing. Um, so that was dumb. <laughs> Nightside Capital, eh? That's <laughs> tough, but, yeah. You know that what? Stupid. It's tough, though. You you had a trade. You thought it might no! pop congressional hearings. It didn't do that. It didn't do what you thought it would do. So you got out of the trade. It's not dumb. It's just it didn't work out. That trade didn't work out. I was in this uh, two days ago. I was long GameStop. I was long it from 42. I actually made money, and it went up to like 43 and a half. Um, just trading <laughs> it, you know, in and out. Uh, $149, though. I did not touch it yesterday, and for good reason. I mean... I saw it taking off. I did play some of the other stocks with it. Bought the Bed Bath & Beyond. Did not get the AMC went. First GameStop went, then AMC went. I was like, ah, oh, they're buying them all. Yeah. So I went and you know <laughs> went to that short list, and I bought about 25 stocks on that short list. And I've sold a lot of them already. I already sold the Bed Bath & Beyond. It went up to like 29.5 last night. I bought Tootsie Roll. It went up to like 33 <laughs> here this morning. I mean, that was the trade. So you missed that. So you go to that short list and you buy all those stocks. Is that over now? I don't know. Like it, it's it's you know the, the easy money was last night selling into the Johnny Come Lately that are buying it three and a half hours later, um, and then you can sell to them because you know if you were thinking fast at three thirty when this was happening when the market was still open you could get these stocks. Um, there was definitely a lift. I mean, uh, you know, SKT went up. There was a lot that went up. Um, I've still got a small piece of SKT, but there I've sold most of those now. But that's the play. That short list off those stocks. The other play. What, what's the last time you trip besides over the last couple of weeks? When's the last time you traded Tootsie Roll? No, that's it. <laughs> no, not zero. <laughs> but I bought it last night. Right, I bought it on the close. I think thirty-one sixty because I was like, you know what, this market's silly enough. So I actually bought it. I actually bought it before the close. I think thirty-one fifty, thirty-one sixty. Like you know, ten minutes to go because I thought after hours I was like, oh, this is gonna get you know everybody's gonna be talking about this. They'll be looking at that short list again, and the high, Tootsie Roll still has a pretty high short interest. So and it's up at thirty three now, thirty three eighty. So I've sold. I always sell way too soon. You know, you get the two three percent instant gratification. I was like, take it and run, take the money and run. But I got paid for that. But I got paid in two ways last night. One was buying those stocks. The second thing was, which I tweeted out, the spy and Q's were ripping higher last night. I was like, I don't think, I don't think we go higher with GameStop up like that. I think it'll roll over. So I shorted spies, shorted Q's. Yes, evil shorts. I shorted the market. Q's and spies, and um, I've covered most of that this morning now. So again, cover too soon, but I mean, shorting spy up at 393 last night, 390 and a half. That's a two and a half point trade on spy, not bad. Right, over not scalp. bad. And Q's, I think I made almost four points on that Q, three and a half points on the QQQ short too. It's down 312. It was up a buck last night. So yeah, I'm still short a little bit of Q's. So up over four points there too. So everybody laughed at me when I tweeted that last night, helping my Twitter followers out saying, I think the market rolls over because of this. Well, you know, people say, oh, maybe you got lucky, but you know what? PL doesn't lie. Yeah. Uh, I am just full disclosure. I, I have no position in GameStop. I am taking no position in GameStop, but I think that this thing is setting up for the, one of the greatest technical trades in the history of the markets. I Why? really do. I, 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 I don't, I'm just going to leave it at that. I, I'm going to watch it for a while, but there's like, I just, in bed last night, I'm thinking, I, I know what I'm looking for in this thing. And it's going to be very interesting over the next couple of days to see it. But because there's definitely some, there's definitely some lines in the sand here, L major lines in the sand to see what these guys can do. And, uh, We'll watch it. Right now, 200 is a good number, right? 
200. That's where it got to in the end. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good number. If I knew you were, were going to say that. Night. I knew Joel was going to say that today. He's going to 200. 200. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I'm telling you, man, this is setting up. Oh, my Lord. Uh, I, I will not I, make it's any trades. Up. I'm not going to trade it, but. The risk, the, Joel. It's hard yeah, the to risk. control the, the risk. Is here, but this is like we talk about this kind of stuff all the time here, and it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm going to follow it, and I'll just say right now, if you're long, you want to see this puppy get to 200, take out 200, and keep on going. That's that's my target for the day. Two hundred on the long side. Can, can we talk for a second about like what actually went down into the close yesterday? Because it was pretty interesting. So yeah. I'm, I'm gonna pull up my screen. So GameStop hasn't been halted in in three weeks, right? So so we get this create. This is Benzinga Pro. This is the signals tool. You can see all uh, all sorts of uh, spikes, uh, halts, whatever. Yeah. So you see a halt there at three thirty eight. Okay. Uh, volatility halt. Resume. These are typically five-minute halts. Okay, so five minutes later, it resumes. So far, so good. We see another halt at three forty-six, and no resumption until after the close. Twelve seconds after the close, four o'clock and twelve seconds, they resume the halt, and that's yeah. when things went bananas again. Really. Well, that's uh, when it, it could take right off too, because right. one, you have a lot less liquidity after hours. Right. Oh, yeah. Two. Perfect. Yep. Yeah. Two is you don't have that limit up, limit down protection anymore. That leaves. So yep. there's no volatility halts after four o'clock. So then it can just blast off to wherever the hell it wants to go mm-hmm. without, you know, halting and, you know, cooler heads prevail. I've, I've said for a long time, the volatility halts, I think, you know, when you have news or something, you have a catalyst, I think it's silly. In this case, it's trying to stop them. You know, it's the, the, the rationale why they put the limit up, limit down system back, you know, after the financial crisis was was to allow people to gather their thoughts. So you want to have a sudden extreme move. And, and, you know, it it depends on the stock. Some stocks are 10%. Some stocks are 3%. Some stocks are 5%. you got to go look at the list. Um, But if you have that kind of a move in less than a five-minute period, then you hit a limit up or limit down situation where if it continues to get bid up, they won't allow it to trade higher. It's bid up for more than I think it's 15 seconds. Then it halts for five minutes, and then it allows to reopen and do the process over again. But what you see is on a stock, a smaller cap stock, that has big news, it'll it'll go up, halt, up, halt, up, halt, up, halt, because it wants to go way higher, but the market won't allow it to. The regulation, the limit up, limit down circuit breaker system, will not allow it to go higher immediately. So it's like everybody's scrambling, everybody's scrambling, everybody's scrambling in those you know non-halt periods. But, I mean, that's you know really not important to GME here now. The reason, obviously, it's trading freely here now is because not 930 yet. When the stock reopens at 930, it's going to halt immediately again. Because it'll it'll go through yeah. and we'll go and, through and this process again. Yeah. And, and if I'll tell you right now, I, I don't. And we're going to have Bill later to talk about the uh, financial transaction tax and everything. And I don't know what the the government has in the pipeline, but there's going to be some regulation for after hours and pre market trade and coming. You just know it. I, I don't mean, know if they care about the after hours and pre market. I think there's going to be regulation coming in though. This is not good for the markets. No, you not know, one, at all. One, I don't think it should regulate itself. But I don't understand. Well, I do understand. I, I tell you, I, I've told you why this happens because you don't have people who are willing to provide liquidity on the on the on the on the offer side, on the short side. All you have is naturals, the person who actually owns the stock, willing to throw their offer out there. You don't have new shorts coming in. There's not. I, I know there's this. You know, everybody thinks out there. Everybody's trying to short GameStop, and everybody's trying to make money shorting GameStop. I will tell you, the majority of professionals are not shorting GameStop. The majority of traders are not shorting GameStop. They're all spooked. They're scared. Why? 
you know, why do it? Doing. You think you think you're coming in here and you're crushing all the hedges again? Most of the, that short interest is probably hedged. Most of that short interest you're seeing once it's one, it's two weeks old. The information you're reading off of two, it's dropped from 140 percent to 40 percent. Three is it's probably some hedging involved in that too. So you've got to consider all those implications. There's a lot, a lot of people who are just sitting there. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's for fun. Let's just short GameStop and get my head ripped off. Again. <laughs> you know, the, the the investors learn. You think Melvin Capital didn't learn? They learn. They learn. All right. So are we done with the GME show here, or do we want to? Do we want to talk? Uh, I, well, it has implications I, I guess for so. the overall market too. I, I, I just oh. wanted to say there's a couple. Everyone's asking why, why, why. No one really knows why. Maybe yeah. Maybe, maybe, I just maybe, said why. No, no, it's no. Exactly no. why. No, no, no. Uh, People like, are not shorting it, and they're they're not shorting it. So when you get the mo going, I'll, you get I'll the give you examples. Going. We see this again and again. I've seen this. Remember Viacom? Remember Via? The the yeah. borrow went tough. Yeah. VIA the the spread. VIA same company. VIA VIAB you can bring them up here because the symbols are now VIAC and VIACA. Same company. The stocks are fifty cents apart. One has voting rights. One doesn't have voting rights. The only difference, only fundamental difference between the companies. The borough went tough on the one side, and then they had to be some buy-ins going on, and the the, the spread, like I don't know what that was, about five years ago, jacked out twenty points. That wasn't fundamental. That was because nobody could short the stock to bring it back in. They were all getting bought in. So when you lose the whole short side, the short selling keeps the market efficient. People don't want to you know believe that. But it does. You know, naked shorting, all that, that's going on. That's no good. But, you know, we, we already talked with Bill. You know, we can bring him on again. But, you know, we already talked about why it wasn't, the majority wasn't, wasn't naked short selling. But short selling keeps the market efficient. It allows traders to come in, place the bets on the upside. You know, obviously, I'm, I'm betting, you know, when bubbles are, you know, going to ridiculous levels, the shorts come in to bring them back in. Um, and, and it obviously you got the liquidity side of it all. But when you take the shorts out, when you just get rid of that, when you just say, let's not have shorting anymore, well, that opens up so much because the majority of your orders that you see out there, the majority of your liquidity, believe it or not, is shorting. Market makers are offering the stock short and bidding the stock long all the time, all the time. You know, so you can say, you know, like on a stock like Apple, when you look at the offers, when you look at Bank America, the majority of those offers are short sell offers on Bank America, even though the in short interest, even on Bank America, even though the short interest is like 2 or 3%, the majority of the offers, I'm probably going to gather, and I don't have the, the data, it's probably 80, 90% of the offers you're seeing are short sell orders because those are market making orders. That's what the market maker do, does. They bid the stock, they offer it short, and it gets out a little bit, you know, and that's how they're making their money. That's how they keep the market efficient. Eliminate all these offers, all these short selling offers, and you don't have much liquidity on the ask side. So you get one you know, algo program coming in, getting it going, and then it starts revving up. And you don't have other market participants out there to keep the price down. That's how this happens. That is the mechanics behind it. The lack of shorting causes GME to go so up. Also, some of the short interest, and we talked about this on the show, could be people you know, uh, doing it via options, right, that are long the stock and then selling the calls. So it's impossible to figure. I mean, it's just once the ball, they got it going, man. It was quiet. Some big players got some big long positions, and they, they, they feed off each other. And they just have the buy, 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 buy button, and then when it finally got the 200, it turned to, you know, and now the, you know, the individual, like trading this thing in her day. I mean, this thing could go absolutely anywhere, anywhere. right? Anywhere, anywhere. 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 Yep. It's thin. 
it's thinner because there's nobody betting on the short side. Look at the book. I mean, just look at what's there's in gotta there. Be nothing I mean, you in look. There. It's just like I've got it wide open. You're seeing some stock here near the ask, 100 shares here, 900 shares here. That's a pretty big offer for it. But the majority of it's 100, 200 shares. Somebody comes in, buys 1,000 shares, lists a couple offers, and goes up three points. I mean, that's because there's no liquidity. The liquidity is very, very low on this stock. And that is because you don't have short sellers out there. One, even though the short sellers are out there, nobody's shorting it. Because when, what a market maker is doing is they're bidding and they're offering it short. Well, you pull both sides because they can't offer it short. They're not bidding it. Because they can't hedge themselves out, so they take both of those sides away. Take the market-making part of it out of the equation. Not talking Citadel. They're still making offers. They're still making markets off exchange because the bids and the offers are flying back and forth, and they're going there. But you're taking a lot of liquidity, a lot of lit liquidity off the market. You know, Citadel, yes, they will trade on the exchange as well. But you're taking a lot of that liquidity out of the market. That's why. I guess I'm more I was referring to what, why specifically 3.30, 3 o'clock Oh, yeah. Nobody yesterday. knows that. Right. Sorry. No, no, one, no, <laughs> no one knows that. Uh, but here is this from J.P. Morgan that I thought was interesting. J.P. Morgan put this out in a note today. Um, we've, uh, with the recent weakness in rotation, we've seen hedge funds react by adding more shorts. Yesterday was the largest day of short additions in North America since late June. Squeeze them. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe they decided that day. But also, if you looked in Zero Hedge was reporting that we are right now at some of the lowest short interest in years. So there's not a lot of people who are overall. There's not a lot of people who are short this market. Why? Because the short side sucks. I mean, I'm the same thing. I'm usually balanced. And yes, I was short last night because I thought the GME could fall. But I've been betting a lot on the short side. I'll hedge myself a bet. But I'm not just flat out betting short against stocks right now because it's been a loser bet. It's been losing money a lot. So, you know, I've changed a lot of my strategies to adapt to the environment. And a lot of that is just revolving around buying the dip. It's like brainless trading, but it's the thing that's been working. You know, sometimes brainless trading is the best strategies. And right now, just flat out buying the dip on stocks has been working to a certain extent. And let's not forget, for the people that, for the, the hedge funds or whoever that has like long, long-term shorting strategies, it's been it's been a rough, like, 10 years for them. Oh, horrible. Right, right. It's, it's, it's hard to make short, money yeah. on the short side, uh, you know, if you're going at more than, like, you know, a day or two. And, you know, if you have, a, like, a, a conviction in this stock is, is overvalued and you're going to short it for a year. It's hard it's tough, to make man. It's hard to make money doing that right now. Yeah, it's been that's hard been to do a that. tough gig. It's been tough to be on the short side, yeah. um, you know, and, and like I said, you know, I bet on short stocks. I've been limiting. What I'm really shorting right now is indexes against the portfolio against, blocks. Yeah, against the stock, right. Yeah. Are you going to, you know, squeeze me in SPY? You could try. I guess you could try to squeeze SPY. My <laughs> stocks are going to go up with it, though. So, you know, the ARB still works. The arbitrage stuff that, you know, we're doing still works. Until you just say, oh, yeah, it's illegal to short. You know, which who knows with Congress. You know, that's why I try to like educate traders because we have this, you know, flawed thinking that short selling is evil and they don't understand the majority of liquidity is due to short selling. You know, we saw this during the financial crisis and we saw the liquidity evaporate, you know, during the, the, the three week period where they banned short selling in the financials and liquidity was vanished. I watched one I watched one day, you know, this is experience I'm speaking from. It's not like, oh, I'm like the line worker, you know, like, you know, like I always equate to it. You want to understand market structure, go out or you want to understand how to build cars better. Ask the person who's putting the cars together. Ask the person who's putting the cars together. Don't ask somebody who's, you know, never been sitting on a line how to build a car, you know, and how to put the parts better together. 
So ask a trader, ask a prop trader that sits there and trades all the time what they should do. If banning short signs is the worst thing you can do. We have experience with this. So during the financial crisis, three-week period, they banned short selling on financials. And what happened was, um, I can remember on the first day, there was a whole bunch of buy imbalances. And I remember saying, I was like, oh my God, they're not going, these things are going to all gap up huge because nobody can come in and provide liquidity on the short side to offset all these big buy imbalances. And I watched a bunch of banks gap up 7, 8, 10% on the closing print because nobody could short them. Normally, I would put in, if I was seeing a huge buy bounce, I'm going to put in, a, in my offer to short because if it gaps up a little bit, you know, that's just, you know, a, a, it's the alpha generated from, you know, a, a stock gapping up for an order flow reason and not a fundamental reason. So usually there's alpha to extract from that. But you, because it was nobody able to short, it was illegal for that three-week period. These stocks gap from here to like that. here. Yeah. Yep. Huge. So I was like, I, I was savvy enough to figure it out quickly. And I actually bought a whole bunch of those stocks and then sold into the gaps. <laughs> but, and it was a huge day for me. It was a huge day. But that was a pure market inefficiency created by regulation. That shouldn't have happened. That poor institutions that you know, are right. buying on the close, they're normally, you have those institutions that are like, oh, well, we're going to get out because there'll be other institutions and there'll be willing, you know, other traders that are willing to sell to you, sell short to you. So you think you can get out on the close. But no, no, no. The, the, the dynamics were different on that day one. They didn't do it on day two. They probably like, oh, my goodness, because they got crushed. But, you know, that's your pension funds getting crushed, you know, that are gapping the stock up and buying it up 10% because there was no liquidity. So nobody was able to short to them. So that's, you know, that's, you know, getting, hitting the bottom line of a lot of, you know, pension funds, institutional money. Think about all that. You know, when you have that institutional flow jumping in, they're buying a stock 5%, 10% higher than they should because there was no shorts allowed in the market. The shorts Wasn't provide DuPont, the liquidity to allow the institutions to get in and out. Didn't uh, DuPont have, like, uh, a couple days in a row, like, just have some ridiculous buying balances? Yeah, a few weeks ago. Yeah. yeah that wow, was they... when they were doing the spinoff, too, I think. Oh, they boy, they got they were toasted doing that. on that. Yeah, they did yeah. not do good and, and, there. And, and it was working well, too, you know, just shorting into that, and the stock would come back in. So typically, you see a huge buy and bounce stock gaps up. And, you know, you have players, prop traders, you have, you know, other institutions, too, that'll short into that. And then the stock usually comes back in. So, you know, but if you don't have to take all those shorts out, if it gaps from here to here with the shorts, without shorts, it gaps from here to here. And this institution has all this money that they're paying higher that they shouldn't have because you didn't allow the shorts to come into the market. So shorts are not evil. They're a necessary component in the market to keep markets efficient. Can I, can I interrupt you for one second for probably one of my worst tangents ever? Oh, boy. Here we oh go. Oh, boy. We are scared. We are all scared now, Joel. No, I just, you know, I get tweets and stuff, and I don't read a lot, but I just got one from uh, Sid Steed, who's out in Prince Edward Island. Dennis, you should know that area. And uh, he said, I heard you talk harness racing. My my family raced at Greenwood and used to road trip to Detroit Wolverine, okay? My heart, like, skipped a beat. I used to go, there was a major racetrack in Detroit called Wolverine Raceway. And they had my dad raced there for years and years and years. They had world class horses there, and they decided to close when Dana was in the second grade. Okay, because they were yeah. bought by Ladbrook, and I told Lisa that I had to take Dana there because it was closing. It was a gorgeous track, big water fountain, and everything. So I took Dana there, and she's like in second or third grade, and it was the thoroughbreds. I'm not as good at thoroughbreds, 
And we just started picking races. And I picked like four in a row. Okay. And we were, you know, and I explained her betting and everything. She goes, she turned to me. She goes, Dad, she goes, I don't want to go to school anymore. I just want to go to the track. <laughs> I just want to make my money at the horse track. <laughs> yeah. What it, but Sid, thanks for Wolverine, man. And of course, you know, I got my Michigan, my Wolverine. Great, great track there. So I'm sorry for the I mean, the point Spencer. you're making there, though, is, you know, we obviously people are making a lot of money doing some crazy stuff right now, and they don't want to go to school. And you know what? This is a good thing <laughs> to do. Let us, people, let us with the save. People, people are yelling in the chat, and they don't want to. There's a lot of people that like this stuff. But there's a lot of people in the chat that want a stock pick. They don't want to learn anything. They just want to be spoon-fed. They just want to, like, oh, give me a stock pick. Give me something. I'm here to get a stock pick from you. I don't want to learn. The education is how you learn to become a better trader. On this show, there's a lot of shows out there that are just giving you stock picks. On this show, this 8 to 9 a.m., we try to give you a few stock picks, but we're trying to educate you. I'm trying to make traders better traders. And that's it. You know, that's what we're trying to do here. We're not trying to give and spoon feed trades. I'm trying to make traders better education. When we get an opportunity like GameStop to educate our listeners, I feel like we have to take that opportunity. And if it takes us 20 minutes to explain it, okay, well, if you're just interested in stock picks, you don't have to listen. But if you're interested in learning and if you're interested in becoming a better trader, I think it's important um, that, you know, you, you actually listen for the last 20 minutes and learn in the market dynamics. So you can say that, hey, this is, you know, the way markets work. You understand it better. We want you to understand the plumbing better. And you know why we do that? Because we are Michigan. That was for you, Joel. <laughs> we are Michigan. That was for you, Joel. Steve Joel right. Jones, baby. You, <laughs> Joel, would like that. All right. 8.30. We're going to have Bill Hart on in five minutes. And we're um, going to talk this again. So we're going to five minutes. We'll yeah, give you stock picks. Right. down your throat. If you don't like it. Then go do something you're getting, else. You're getting it thrown down. Go watch, go watch Good Morning and America. Bill, and so. Bill knows more about market plumbing than I do. Bill is a market structure genius. So I like picking his brain, too, because I learn stuff from Bill. Wait, can we talk uh, AMC for one second? Only because they did have a, a good piece of fundamental news after yeah, hours. Yeah. And the news comes via Viacom, right? Because Viacom had earnings yesterday. And in their earnings report, they said uh, that new movies are going to go online 30 days after they're in a theater. So remember, Universal was like, screw the theaters. All of our movies are going to go straight straight online, straight to streaming. Yeah. Viacom saying, uh, maybe don't screw the theaters yet. We're going to, or entirely, we're going to hold our biggest movies in the theaters for as long as, uh, as long as 31 days and hold our smaller ones for as little as 17 days. So not, not totally screwing AMC and Cinemark. I mean, we talked to AMC, you know, the $5 level, and I had, actually had it long a yeah. couple of days in a row here. Um, I did not get the move. It always seems the way I don't get the big move. But, um, man, there was an opportunity, really, just because it had come down, like you said, back to the scene of the crime, consolidated all that time above 5. We know 5 was a huge technical level. It's also a level because it's where in a lot of brokerage houses the stock becomes marginable or not. So if they keep it above 5, it's marginable. Falls below 5, huge it becomes marginable, too. So huge level. I mean, just, you know, thinking about all that, the dynamics and stuff, um, it was a huge level. You so, know, the, uh, uh, some of the some guys, I in the some. guys and gals in the afternoon chat picked up on it because um, they had me look at it in the afternoon show. And I'm like, well, you, you know, if, like was it moving yet in the afternoon show? It's, no, no, no. I'm moving. just talking on these last a couple, couple days. Ago. days. Couple I'm days like, ago. oh, well, it came back to the scene of the crime. If you want to strike now, you yeah. know, maybe strike, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. And like a dummy, 
I didn't do it. But, I didn't do it uh, either. No. But look at that. That's why another thing, too. I know you guys want consolidation. You know, everyone's looking at the super highs and the super lows. But it's the it's those consolidation periods. And then the move out of the consolidation, at least when you have that, okay, well, there was a consolidation period. You broke out of the top. Well, so that could be like your lowest risk trade ever. You know, if it goes up 20 cents and then comes back down through, you know, then it was a, a false one. And then you can try it again. Then you can try it again. So consolidations are really important. Don't worry about the big wicks and whatever, dojis and whatever they call those stuff. You know, pay attention to your consolidation. I, I completely agree. You know, that's, you know, page 10 or page, it should be page one of her. If we you were should keep track of these. Book. I know. Somebody's going to write her book. I'm telling you. Um, because of all the stuff we put on the show. But, you know, anyways, let's go on. Let's do a couple more stock picks. Yeah, let's go on. Let's get some more likes. We got 350 likes is not enough. Hit the like button for some free education. And you're, you get it in your pajamas. It's all, and I mean, Dennis is in his pajamas too. So I'm we're all in our pajamas, pajamas here. He's always in his pajamas. All right, yeah. let, let's do a couple more stocks. I don't even know where to, where to go, actually. I'll be honest Give with you. Give us some tickers. Give us some tickers. Fly them. From, I mean, we know if you want to do the short squeeze ones, we're not going to go into the details, but, you know, like Express, you know all the stocks. You can go and look in your up filter and you can see all the stocks with the high. Yeah, so BlackBerry, KOSS. BlackBerry is, you know, one of those. Yeah, KOSS. Oh, yeah, cost really run. Holy, it's up 85%, KOSS, huge. Yeah. So the big ones, cost, AMC, Bed Bath. Those are the big three. Bed Bath a little bit, BlackBerry a little bit. Yeah. Right? But. Blackberry is just because it's a Reddit stock. It's not necessarily short interest there. It's just a Reddit stock. Holy cow, you guys go fast with these tickers. We should do the I NVIDIA know. earnings. We should do the NVIDIA earnings. Yeah, oh, let's okay. do that. That, that. That's a good idea. Let's go to NVIDIA. Good call. Uh, EPS last night was good, or last quarter was good. $3.10 for us a $2.81 estimate. Sales also beat $5 billion versus $4.8 billion. Q1 sales guidance, $5.3 billion was above the $4.5 billion estimate. So to recap, they beat on their earnings, they beat on their sales, and they gave strong Better than expected Q1 sales guys. They're down. They, well, they, they had it up for a long time. I don't know if they said something on the conference call, but it was trading up around 590 to 600 for like an hour after the, the earnings release. And then just, I'm assuming it was during the call, I don't know if they said something, but they pulled the rug out from under and they pulled it quickly. It tanked from like 595 to like 565 in a heartbeat. And that's when I went short the Qs. Because um, Qs were still Qs are actually because uh, Nasdaq futures were closed during that time, and Qs are sitting up and they're still bid up like fifty cents. It's like, are you kidding me? Nvidia just went red. You bought the Qs up because Nvidia ripped it, and they were ripping higher. Now Nvidia tanks, and you don't sell the Qs. You gotta sell the Qs, and that's you know was a you know big reason why I went short the Qs, made some money here and covered it this morning. Um, but it was just late. It was like responded so slow. Relationship trading. Nasdaq Relation. futures were closed too, so it helped yep. so much. So with Nasdaq futures closed. You know, then they close from five to six. Um, then, oh, you that's, know, obviously, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Then, then you don't have the arbitrage futures versus the Q's traders there and the repricing it. So the Q's respond a little slower. So, anyways, it was, it was whoever, you know, is bidding up there is just, you know, uninformed. Durable much. goods uh, up 1.4%. Dur- durable goods. Well, what about GDP? Well, how's our GDP doing? Fine. <laughs> GDP is okay. <laughs> GDP. Uh, for Q4 GDP, 4.1% uh, was in line with the estimate, so we're fine. Everything is good. 
Getting a little pop, little pop. Pre-market low 0450. Don't have much there. Currently trading 0975. All right, let's bring on our guest. It is 835. Bill Hart, as I said at the top of the show, he is the former CEO of Modern Markets Initiative. It's a good year to have him on, too. Bill, good morning. How are we doing this morning? Morning, guys. Thanks for having me on again. It's always, uh, always fun. Always chaos is what it is over here. All right. Uh, we wanted to have you on to talk about the implications of the financial transaction tax. But before we get there, what was your reaction to this, the, the continuation of the madness yesterday, last night? Game stop. The game stop. You know, I, I, I have to agree with Dennis. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, I, I've been calling it the, uh, the lack of a short squeeze squeeze. <laughs> there, there were no shorts left to squeeze. I think all the professional guys who, who normally would have been shorting the hell out of this thing are all scared to death to touch it. So, so you're saying you're saying the squeeze has been squeezed. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Exactly. All right. uh, orange juice people will be happy to hear that, I'm sure. But that reduces the liquidity so much that you just get a little bit of buying volume, and it can have you know a, a extreme moves because there's nobody willing to bet on the other side. Yeah, people people forget that uh, a, a really beneficial function that short sellers provide is that when things get too crazy, when things get too out of line, they step in and sell. And uh, I think that's what you're missing in this case. And, and who knows where the, the top could be on. So let's take this to the, you know, where when we wanted to talk this last time we were on the show. And we, we talked so long about something else. We never got to the financial transactions tax. And obviously during the congressional hearings on GME, it got brought up multiple times. I mean, you get, you know, people who don't understand market plumbing that, you know, think, okay, and, and Andrew Ross Sorkin has been tooting the horn on CNBC saying we need to curb speculation. Let's bring in a financial transaction tax and curb the speculation. You know, if you don't understand market plumbing, that's, you know, I, I can see where you get that thought process. What is your thoughts here on, one, you know, the potential for financial transaction tax, and two, what that what would that do to the markets? Yeah, let's, let, let's talk about it a little bit. Um, so, first of all, it's important to understand what the proponents, you know, what, what reasons are they giving for a financial transaction tax? And there's really two reasons that they talk about. One is obviously to raise money. Uh, you know, Bernie Sanders, for his tax that he proposed, I'll talk about it in a minute, estimated that it could raise $3 trillion over 10 years. Uh, people who have actually looked at it say it's probably more like 10% of that. But but, you know, Bernie and people like that say, well, it's just a small tax, but, it, you know, it could fund free college education or Medicare for all, reduce wealth inequality, you know, whatever. And, and listen, those may or may not be good policy goals, depending on your politics. But what's clear is that funding them through a financial transaction tax is a bad idea. The second thing that they talk about and the reason for it is, to, and this is, this is more interesting, especially in terms of what's happening with GameStop, it's to stop or slow down excess trading by making it less profitable. And it's an interesting point because it, it, it sort of implies that there's a significant amount of excess trading that needs to be stopped. So, you know, if I ask everyone on here, you know, do you think you trade too much? You know, do you trade so much that you need a tax to save you from yourself? I think most people would say no. But there's a group of professors who are at UMass and Yale mostly, and, and they've concluded that most people and in institutions do trade too much and that a tax would be beneficial uh, by stopping it. So the original target of the financial transaction tax, this is going back six, seven, eight years now, uh, was uh, high frequency trading. 
And, you know, because at that time, you know, the book Flash Boys had come out and, and, you know, people were saying, oh, we have to get a range around, you know, high frequency trading. But then as people looked at it, they realized that would mostly be a tax on market makers. So fast forward to today, we have the Wall Street Bank spread. And a lot of people are pointing at them as the perfect example of what happens if it's too easy to trade. And if you watch the House Financial Services Committee meeting uh, about GameStop last week, you heard several Congress people asking if the financial transaction tax would have prevented that trading. And that was even before what happened yesterday. So the, the, the other thing to keep in mind, really important, is that even if somehow the Congress devised a tax to sort of slow down Wall Street debts, it would actually apply to all investors, everyone watching today. And by the way, the other thing to keep in mind is not only are you paying a tax, whether you make or lose money, doesn't matter, but, yeah. but in effect, you're also paying that tax on top of your, your gains taxes, your income taxes and, and whatever yeah. else. So anyway. Yeah. Scared um, me, I've, Bill. You're scared I mean, just me, to, Bill. Just to give some perspective, you know, on how big this tax is, they say 0.1%. Oh, what's that? It's not much. The current, we kind of do have a little bit of a financial transaction tax is that we have a sale um, uh, on when you sell a stock, the SEC fees we have. And what those SEC fees were last year were $22.10 per million. They actually lowered it this year. I believe it's down to just over $5 per million. Well, if you take 0.1% times a million, it's $1,000 per million. So that's increasing the SEC fees by 200 times, 200 times. So you think, you just take your, you know, look at what, how much volume you trade last year, take your amount, multiply it times 0.1%, and that's going to give you the tax that you would own. Mine would be a scary number. I would be changing all of my strategies, and I would become a long-term swing trader. Um, but, you know, even at that, you're still getting hit. You know, you're still going to be one. Especially if they don't give a market maker exemption, you're going to see wider spreads. If they give a market maker exemption, well, then it's only Main Street paying. So, I mean, I'm not sure who they're trying to tax here. Like, I mean, you know, because you had one, one, somebody in the hearing saying, oh, well, they have this in Hong Kong. They don't have a problem. But they have a, they have a market maker exemption in Hong Kong. They have a market maker exemption in France. Don't you think, Bill, that they would give a market maker exemption in the U.S. if this happened? Oh, if absolutely. They put the financial Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There, there have already been uh, talks about this, about carving out market making and so on. As And in my opinion, that's reasonable because market yeah. makers. Are, so the, the interesting thing is that people assume that if there's a tax that market makers would pay, it, assuming that they're not exempt. But the fact is, it, the transaction is going to become a lot like if you go to buy a car. When you go to buy a car, the car dealer collects the tax from you and then turns it over to the government. But you are the one paying the tax. The way the market makers are going to are going to basically pass the tax on to you is in the form of wider spreads. So you know, and 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 so the FDT is actually, if you think about it, two taxes. Not only do you have the actual tax paid on sales, but there's going to be this hidden portion of it that's buried in spreads. And as a matter of fact, in Canada in 2012, they they instituted uh, sort of an FTT. It was based on messages and so on. But but immediately, like on the day they did it spreads increased by 9%, which was actually a lot more than the amount of the, uh, the fees that they put on. So, so I actually think that could really happen here and that could be really dangerous. 
What do you think the chances are that something like this gets put through? Do you think this is like it's it's obviously been proposed for a decade? You know, like you were saying back in Flash Boys days, we were hearing about it. I was hearing about this back in two thousand nine. So we're twelve years later; it still hasn't happened. I mean, but now you get you know some uh, obviously with this GameStop stuff, it's going to get brought up again here. Do you think this is a high probability, low probability? Just you know, you don't have to you know, give a, uh, give us a number, but you know, ballpark. Do you think this has a chance of getting put through? I do. Um, I, I think it's still going to be a, a rough slog. But look, you know, until COVID, it probably wasn't going to happen. But now you've got the national debt skyrocketing. You have state and local municipalities are strapped. They're looking for revenue wherever they can. Uh, you know, and, and it's really uh, starting to perk up again. Um, we haven't even talked about this idea that New Jersey and, and maybe New York would put a tax on transactions processed within their state. And I'm sure everybody here knows that most uh, transactions are processed in New Jersey these days. Uh, but of course, every time they mention that, the exchanges say, well, if you do that, we're moving to Texas or Florida or, you know, wherever. And, and so, uh, you know, something else to, to keep in mind is that although people tend to think of Republicans as being opposed to, to new taxes, even some very powerful Democrats have opposed an FDT in the past, uh, most notably Senate, now Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Um, look, I'm not really good at reading the political tea leaves, but it doesn't take a genius to see that a financial transaction tax can become a political football. You got progressives like Sanders and Warren arguing for it. You have moderates like Schumer against it. And that's just that's just on the Democratic side. Who knows where the Republicans are going to be on it? It's going to be an interesting fight. But the one big point you made, too, is that the revenue that they're projecting to make from this would probably be substantially less, less, especially if they did not give a market maker exemption, because it's going to be a lot less trading. I mean, you're not going to be jumping into stock trying to make 20 cents on this, 20 cents on that. You know, 0.1% in, 0.1% out on Tesla is 0.2%. So, you know, it's seven bucks. You know, you're talking about you know, have to make like a buck and a half on Tesla to break even. So, well, I mean, you're not going to have those scalpers jumping in for 50 cents. The number, so I haven't been looking at the point one because I, I think that the point one that's out there now probably has less of a chance than Bernie Sanders' point five. Well, that's even like that blows every point five sounds insane. So, <laughs> let me just throw, let me just throw out some numbers on point five. So you trade Amazon, that's sixteen dollars a share, oh. sixteen bucks a share on Amazon. Google, eleven bucks a share. Chipotle, eight bucks a share. Even for lower price stocks, you know, GameStop uh, at a hundred bucks, fifty-two dollars for a hundred shares. Uh, you know, oh, so, yeah. so this is you know, individual traders should really be uh, concerned about this. But let me point out, actually, the, the bigger uh, and maybe more insidious hit that's going to be taken is really on the part of pension funds, especially these huge public pension funds. They're the big users of the market. Um, I looked at CalPERS a while ago and did the calculations based on how much turnover CalPERS has and so on. It comes out to like $650 million a year for CalPERS. <laughs> New York City, public pension funds, teachers, cops, firefighters, $1.3 billion a year. And in tax. And, in tax. and state of New Jersey, which their pension fund already underwater, as people who live there know, 190 to 200 million bucks a year. And, and remember, these are defined benefit plans. So the plans have to pay out no matter what. Somebody's going to have to rescue them and, and make up this tax money. It'll be the general taxpayer. So they're going to get hit really hard. Um, I, you know, and I think that's that's really a problem here. Wait, just so whoever doesn't know, CalPERS is the largest pension fund in the country. It's the California Public Employee Retirement System. It's the largest pension fund in, in the U.S. 
Just so yeah, and, 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 and one of the biggest users of the market. They yeah. trade a, an amazing amount. People forget that these big pension funds, every time there's money coming in from a payroll deduction or every time they have to pay out to pay benefits, they trade. And so, uh, you know, we forget about that. Now, people come up to me and they say, well, okay, what if we just made an exemption for the pension funds? Or let's make an exemption for the market maker. And by the time you get finished with all the exemptions, the only people left to pay are the people who are watching this call. So, yeah, uh, yeah you, the, li the listeners to this call, the retail traders would be the ones paying the bill. I mean, exactly. we worked so hard to get zero commissions. We've worked, you know, for 20 years to bring commissions. Think about back in the 80s and you were paying, you know, $200 to buy and sell your stock. I mean, we've brought this down. Robinhood, you know, we got free commissions. People can trade for free. Something like this undoes all of that. I mean, we go right back to the 1990s where you're, you're basically paying full-size commissions again, you know, when you think about it. So, um, you know, it, 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 what it does to the retail brokerage industry, I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, it, it, it would certainly change the game a lot. Um, and, and I think for people that are trying to save for retirement, that have an IRA invested in the market, it would, it would really hurt them a lot. Remember, if, if you're invested in a mutual fund, the mutual fund is going to pay the tax also. <laughs> so, so, you know, it, 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 it's really kind of insidious. We're on the line with Bill Hartz, former CEO of Modern Markets Initiative, joining us here a couple times over the last few weeks to talk about uh, market structure. Bill, we really appreciate it. Uh, my question, so just for clarity, this is going to be everything, right? We're, we're talking stocks, but it's going to be bonds. It's going to be fixed income. It's going to be futures. It's going to be it's going to be everything, right? Exactly. Um, oh, and, and Man. And, and I mean, options and yeah, exactly. Oh, Convertibles, really everything. And uh, uh, it, it could be a mess. I mean, it's um, <laughs> it, it could generate revenue, but it, it will be regressive that people will change their behavior. And so less revenue will actually come in from it. Could you imagine, like, let's say they do it and they pass it and they have some, you know, it, while market maker exemptions or whatever, could you imagine that first day of trading when it go? You know, like let's say they instituted for you know 2022. Can you imagine that the chaos in the markets? Did any of these regulators look at market structure? Do they have any idea? What I think the regulators know? do. It's just I don't know if the house members do. Yeah, I mean, let's, oh, yeah, I, met, I met the house. Yeah, I know. What yeah, you're yeah, I mean, look. I mean, you, I'm sure you guys watched that, that House committee meeting last week. Um, a lot of those Congress people were out for blood. I don't think many of them really understood the way markets work today. Uh, but, you know, and some people would say it's grandstanding or whatever. Look, those people are very powerful. And, uh, you know, they want to show people that they're doing something about uh, Wall Street bets or GameStop or Robinhood or whoever the boogeyman is today. And that's the scary thought if you have people making the rules that don't totally understand how the game is played. All right, this has been super insightful. Bill Hartz, as, as Joel said, the former CEO of Modern Markets Initiative, has been joining us, I think he's joined us like three or four times over the last month uh, to just talk through uh, not just the game, GameStop fiasco, but but implications of that, which one of them, which very well could be a financial transaction tax. Uh, Bill, thanks a lot for your time. We always appreciate it. Thanks again for having me, guys. Take care. Thanks, All right, Bill. let's do some quick ticker time. And sure. before, as we do that, let's do, will you start with Teladoc? Because they had earnings last night yep. as go. we uh, take care of that. Okay, uh, Teladoc, TDOC reported after the close. EPS, they lost $0.27 cents per share. 
versus a 24 cent per share loss estimate. So they came in below the number there. Uh, sales 383 versus 378 million dollars. So they came up, it came in above that number. Q1 sales guidance was in line. Fiscal year sales guidance was also in line. How are we doing this morning? I would just say I'd use the same analysis I used on Square yesterday and look at the low of that, you know, when everybody was washing out. Square actually, because Square was trading up at 245 and we thought it could challenge that 232 low. It did um, yesterday and obviously breached it as well. I would think the same thing for TDOC. I would think it probably challenges the 235 if it hasn't already in the pre-market. And let's see if that can hold. That's the level that it needs to hold. Uh, it's a little bit it's sleepy here. I mean, you had the big move and good level Dennis there at two thirty five. Uh that was the low from uh Tuesday. But you got someone stepping up here. I mean, not in a I don't know if they're trying to cover some puts or whatever, but the pre market low right now, oh, that's pretty close to it, two thirty six thirty. So if it takes that out, that two thirty five is your two day low. After that the trap door opens down to two twenty, but uh, good call there. Uh, the street was leaning the right way into this report. Uh, uh, they were selling on my Monday, uh, Tuesday. They love 261, and uh, so leaning the right way. But, folks, huge run, 150 yeah. to 300 from yeah. July. So two and a quarter, that's about halfway back, too. So coming into some potential support, down 15.57. Spoos are rallying back. They like the durable goods and GDP, only down yeah. six and a Eight and a quarter on the session. It's going to be depend if GameStop. I'm going to say use the GameStop indicator again on the SPY. Once we open, does GameStop start going straight down? Because if it does, that will calm the markets to a certain extent. I mean, there's still people who are spooked, um, and there's still people who are realizing, you know, was, it, when we were looking at Ryan Dietrich, this this indicator was seven for seven uh, coming in. Seven days, GME moves seven days, SPY went in the opposite direction. So, you know, we're just looking. You know, we only have seven days of data with extreme moves with GameStop. Um, but it was seven for seven extreme move happening here again. Does GameStop open and tank or does GameStop open and rally? If it opens and starts ripping up to 200, I think the S&Ps roll over. I believe there's a negative correlation, at least there when you have extreme GameStop volatility, because they have people spooked that there's hedges getting smashed on this again. I don't know if that's the case, but the market thinks it. And that's all it has to do is think it. And that's why I think you even saw this buy sell off overnight. But GameStop significantly off the highs from 200 to 152. What does GameStop do? I'd keep it on your screen and use it as an inverse indicator for the SPY, at least at the open. Seen a few people ask about Plug. They had earnings this morning, Plug Power, Q4 uh, EPS. They lost a dollar and 12 cents. Uh, I'm sorry, adjusted was a five cent loss. Adjusted was a five cent loss oh. versus a one cent loss estimate. Uh, revenue, <laughs> there, there's some weird adjustment going on there. But um, they, they, they reaffirmed their gross. Gross billings guidance for this year. Tough. I throw <laughs> I say nothing because you're low from you know your your low from two days goes way down to thirty seven twenty two. I don't think it's going way down to there. If it got down there, you'd probably find buyers at thirty seven twenty two. I don't think it's falling another nine points. I tend to think you're going to find buyers before that. But besides no, that, there's not much in there, Joel. I know. I know. I guess if and I don't know what's going to happen today. I mean, you had some big gaps up and. After big move up to seventy five, I mean there was back to back, you know, gap gap up days here. Actually, three, four in a row. So you come down, go quickly through an area, come back down. I'll just go a little bit longer term in this one. And if this could trickle down to like thirty five and a half, thirty six, that's where it broke out from. 
then I'd have some interest in the buy side. Just stepping out here at 46 and a half. I mean, you're not going to risk 10 bucks. But if they could clean this up with these gaps and stuff and just like have a, you know, four, five, six, seven days of consolidation, then I, it would look tasty. But here I, I, I don't, I have absolutely no idea what to do at 46, 45. Right. Uh, pu- public service announcement. You saw what happened with Snapchat the other day when they had their first ever investor day. Uh, yeah. Twitter, wow. Twitter has an analyst day today. Oh, so, great call. so what time do we know what time that's going oh, on? Oh God. No. I throw you right <laughs> into the boss. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> well, I know what I gotta be careful trading this thing. I don't know what time the Twitter it, analyst it, is. Let me see if I can find out for you. Um, the the point Spencer making is you can quick. have huge moves on commentary from these investors. God, I don't no idea. Huge moves. <laughs> that Snapchat was in the gutter and it ripped higher on the comments. You can see it was around noon. And it went from 58 oh, wait, to 67 in minutes. Nine, 9 a.m. Pacific. All right, 12, noon, noon 12 Eastern. O'clock. Same time, same bat, same bat time, same bat channel with uh, this, as Snapchat was. So keep an eye. After 12 o'clock, you can see some violent moves in Twitter. Don't necessarily assume that it's all going to be good. I mean, usually a lot of good stuff said, but something gets misinterpreted. Something I've actually seen stocks tank on this, too. They tend to be more positive than negative, but just be careful if you're trading around that time because you can get some new fundamental news and the price can move very quickly. Someone, someone's doing, uh, trying to work out of a big piece here in, uh, in, in Twitter for sure. Um, they were first trying to get out like it's 75. They're like, I want to get out of 75. I'm going to hit bids above 74, 75. So you had a high at 484, another high at 496. So 75 is huge. And then yesterday they reconvened and they're like, let's target 74 now. <laughs> I'm <telling> you, <laughs> no, I'm telling you. They, yeah, they, 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 they yeah. want to sell at 74. Yeah. Now we'll see what they have to do because it's eight cents lower. I don't know if they're going to step down to seventy-two today. You had to close at seventy-one ninety-two, but there, there's, there's a seller, and they're sneaky. You know, they're not sneaky showing a big seller. piece. At, yeah, they're not showing a big Ooh, piece at seventy. Sneaky. Well, maybe they did. I bet you. You can't see seventy-five, but I bet you there's six million two hundred eighty-two thousand shares at, at seventy-five. That's just to be. That's the way it looks to me. I don't know. You guys, everyone looks at a chart a different way, but, and I don't know. Maybe I'll. I've been wanting to dump this thing forever, but I probably won't. <laughs> Wowzers! And we've given it all back. I just want to throw that in there. Okay. Sounds like that D, that's triple D, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's whoa! Weird. What's our own soundbite? What happened? What do you miss? No, no. My, my computer just had a seizure, but I'm back. Okay. Uh, somebody asked if we're uh, for our thoughts on, on Best Buy. They reported this morning. Oh yeah. EPS beat sales. EPS beat by three cents. Three forty-eight versus three forty-five. Sales missed. Um, they gave. Oh, they're raising their dividend. The market hates that. They're raising. Yeah, the market di- doesn't like getting paid. Raising their dividend from fifty-five cents a share. This is a quarterly dividend. Fifty-five cents to seventy wow. cents. So that's a, that's a nice raise. That's a nice raise. Uh, they gave some. Let's see. Uh, Q4 enterprise comp sales were up 12% year over year. Domestic comps uh, for online up 89% year over year. Uh, not a surprise. Uh, 100 bucks. I think if you're buying at 104, I think you're really, yeah. I think it's going to eventually test 100 bucks. You know, this, we this saw could... Home Depot too that morning. Not the Best Buy's Home Depot, but retailer. It was trading like 268, and it went down. And actually, took out the low of the move. They tend to on the bad news when they come this far. They want to challenge the big support level, and that's be- and that's 100 on Best Buy. What uh, what was the reason? This couldn't have been earnings because it was was this market related when it like fell out of bed on November 23rd. 
I'll tell you. No, well, that, that was, was that was Black Friday. Don't forget that was those. Yeah, there. that was right ahead of Black Friday. All I know is that you know I'm looking at the how many days this went down. Oh wait, here. Hey, wait Joel, that was earnings. Oh, it was. On they they reported on the twenty fourth pre market. So that that okay. was okay. Yeah. So if I'm just saying, if you if you think it's stepping in here. Uh, they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It didn't bottom for a long time after that. So, just going on to historical precedents, I'll go with you, Triple D. I'm not. I mean, even hundred, it went through. You know, it tested it several times, but it got smoked off earnings, battled all the way back, almost to an all-time high, and now it's getting smoked again. Month a hundred's big on the monthlies too, yeah. so I would keep an eye on that one. What else you got? Uh. People keep asking about Rocket. They report tonight, guys. Uh, so we can look at that real fast. It's a high right. short interest stock. That's one thing to consider. But it wasn't popping at all with the other stocks. The stock is just so hated. I mean, if just they find reasons not to buy this thing. So again, you know, valuation. I always thought, you know, I kind of like the story. It just couldn't rally when the rest of the stocks were, and that's why I sold it back. You know, it had the big pop from twenty to twenty-five back at the end of January with the GameStop stuff. Um, so I'm out of it now. This relative strength has been terrible. Does it eventually catch a bid? Maybe this earnings report can do it. Um, but it's hard. It's, just, it's, it's always find a reason not to rally this stock. All right. Uh, programming note. This is it for Benzinga's live streaming today. Why? We've got the first day of the Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference. 32 executives from 32 publicly traded cannabis companies are presenting. Here is the list. You know names like Canopy Growth, names like Cure Relief, names like True Relief presenting today and tomorrow. The link is pinned at the top of the chat. It's right there. BZCannabis.com slash virtual two-day conference today and tomorrow. So we're going to be doing pre-market prep in the morning. And then uh, – uh, Spencer, can I interrupt you real quick? Yes. Um, I saw a lot of people, you know, not – you know, want to hear about the market still. So I'm going to do a 3.30 to 4 show. Um, and uh, okay. Dennis, you know who I might be bringing on? Who do you got? I may, be, I may bring Bob Bright on. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Whoa. So, yeah. So he's, he's, never, put, he's, he's never even been on this show. I know. I know. I'm working on it. <laughs> so, yeah, I will. I will tweet it out later. Uh, there's a pre-market prep YouTube channel. That's what it's going to be on. I'll broadcast it on there. So if you guys don't want to listen to the cannabis conference, join me at three thirty. And uh, I mean, with the action in this market, it's also with the action at the end of the month coming tomorrow. We yeah. gotta have a three thirty to four show, so uh, I hope you guys will join me for All that. All right, let's get to a thousand likes before I'm done talking. We're at holy a thousand. Have we ever had a thousand likes? Uh, I think so. Yeah, uh, let's get to <laughs> let's get to a thousand. I want to say once again, thanks to our guest. Bill Hart. Thanks to all of you in our chats. Today's show, every show is available as a podcast. We're on every major podcast platform, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, etc., etc., etc. For all of you podcast listeners, please remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading or informational or trading advice. You, you get the point. Uh, Benzinga Cannabis Conference today, tomorrow, we're at 900 likes. Get to 1,000. Let's go. Uh, thanks to Dennis. Thanks to Joel. Crazy market, crazy show. show. We'll see y'all with Joel in the afternoon, if not tomorrow morning. uh, And that's going to be a wrap for our show. So everyone have a good rest of your day. Good luck in your trades. And stay safe out there. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.